Well, the Tennessee Volunteers won their Super Bowl. They did almost lose it, but they won their Super Bowl, and we're going to talk about it here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Monday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with whole nine sports and Giants Country SI.com. Today's episode of Locked On Gators is brought to you by LinkedIn. In the like LinkedIn Jobs being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Lockdown College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. Before getting into today's content, just ask you to like, subscribe, comment, review, all that fun stuff. Uh, my allergies are demolishing me, so that's going to be really fun to try to get through for this game. But uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna do it anyway. The Florida Gators obviously lost to the Tennessee Volunteers this past Saturday. There were some positive takeaways. The offense finally, finally looked threatening. Anthony Richardson looked like the Anthony Richardson that we spoke about all offseason that he could become. I think that perhaps the most telling thing about Anthony Richardson was how comfortable he looked for the most part. Very comfortable as a passer, career high in just about every passing category, which I realize, you know, stats mean nothing. But uh, a a monster game throwing the ball and running the ball is very good. He was money as a passer in that 10 to 20 yard range, that intermediate range that we always talk about where it's like, yeah, well, you know, if you have a strong arm, you could throw the ball with a ton of air underneath and let a receiver catch it. Screens, everybody can complete screens. But completing that 10 to 20 yard pass consistently is impressive. That's what Anthony Richardson did. He looked like I got a text from a from Eric Kane, the host of Lockdown Vols, after the game. And he he texted me. He said, How about Anthony Richardson looking like the first rounder everyone said he was? Told you all he needed was Tennessee's secondary. Yeah, I, I get it. Quarterbacks always thrive. But Anthony Richardson looked comfortable while he was playing. That was one of the more important things. I know that. He also looked a bit frustrated at certain points. He was getting hit late. He's getting hit a lot, even if it wasn't late. Um, I will say, I like that the refs, you know, you know, let 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 them play. We'll say, you know, there was that time in the end zone where the Gators were pushing the Vols running back, and then uh, Vols offensive lineman shoved. I forgot who it was. It was a DB. He was a smaller dude, and then Brenton Cox just grabbed his jersey like that, and I was just like, I I like that you let that play. I also like that, you know, for the first three games of the season, I feel like I complained a lot about Billy Napier's play calling, where I was saying he's too conservative with his play calling. These wide receiver screens don't work. They cut out the wide receiver screens for the most part. I loved that. Uh, I believe there were two wide receiver wide receiver screen attempts, which I'm fine with, considering you threw the ball 44 times. So if two of those are screens, I'm cool with it. That's a great ratio for me. I'm tired of these screens. Uh Anthony Richardson threw 20 plus yards downfield more than any other range that he did throw. So that was very fantastic. I loved that aggressiveness, that play calling aggressive. I mean, you have the receivers that can make plays downfield. That's, I think, the most irritating part. You have 
Justin Shorter, who has consistently proven he can make contested catches with a defender on him deep downfield. You have Ricky Pearsall, who can find his way open in that 10 to 20 range and a little bit beyond that as well. You've got the receivers that can make those catches and make those plays. Utilize it. Like I, I loved the aggressiveness taking shots downfield. Play actions as well with, with the play calling, the highest play action rate that we've seen from the Florida Gators. It was also a different kind of play action because one of the issues that we saw with the play action from the Florida Gators for the first three games of the season was that when they were out of the pistol with the running back behind Anthony Richardson, he would often turn to his left or turn to his right. And either way, he's got his back to the defense. He can't make a quick read. He can't look at what they're doing. So that caused a little bit of issues. Here it was more making that play action fake with the, with the running back next to Anthony Richardson, allowing him to keep his eyes downfield and watch what was happening coverage-wise. So there's also that is massive for the Florida Gators passing attack. Hopefully that continues. Another thing that I am very much hoping continues, the aggressiveness on fourth down for the Florida Gators. Because my, my, my word, Billy Napier, get the wheelbarrow. Because Billy Napier and the Florida Gators went for it on fourth down six times against the Tennessee Volunteers, and they converted five of those six. The only time that they didn't convert was the first drive of the game, which was the second time they went for it on fourth down. They got it the first time. I'm fine with the aggressiveness. I love it. I especially love that there's a massive, massive difference from going for it on fourth down against Tennessee and going for it on fourth down uh, against Kentucky. And the issue there, because Kentucky wants, my issue is not going forward on fourth down. My issue was the plays before the fourth down, those third down plays, specifically, you know, running that weird run right up the middle on third and uh, six, I think it was, against Kentucky. That was just, it wasn't working. The run directly up the middle wasn't working. It was a stupid play call there. My issue also wasn't just the play call beforehand. It was the play call on the fourth down attempt itself. That's one of the bigger differences. People don't generally care about they went for it on fourth down. No one's going to complain about that if you convert those attempts. That's the issue. The play calls prior to the fourth down, or the play calls on fourth down were the issue against Kentucky, and the play calls on third down were the issue against Kentucky. Against Tennessee, Florida made it very clear by their third down play calling a lot of times. They're like, hey, we're going for this. Like, all we're trying to do is get into a fourth and manageable range. That's all we want to do, and I'm cool with it. I like I love that aggressiveness. I loved that. I will also say my favorite of the fourth down attempts was the fourth and two, where it was like, oh, you know, if Florida doesn't if Florida doesn't get this, it's game over. And they ran a deep shot to Justin Shorter. Those are my favorites. My favorite time to throw the ball deep are second and short, specifically second and one or fourth and short. Because if you're on fourth and short, everybody's like, oh, they just need to get this first down. They're probably going to run the ball. They're probably going to run. They're probably going to throw the ball to the flats, a quick screen, a slant, whatever it is. And then instead you have Justin Shorter going 30-something yards downfield and catching it. It was just a fantastic play call. I, I love the fourth and short deep plays. I will also say this about the aggressiveness. Gators fans, you love and cheer for and shout and chant the scared money don't make money. And everybody loved that. The second we, the second it was happening with Billy, we were like, oh, scared money don't make money. Scared money don't make money. Scared money don't make money. But here's the thing. 
you can't be like, oh, scared money don't make money. Yeah, that's our cool little catchphrase. And then when Billy shows it, you're like, whoa, 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 what is going on? Like, I know a lot of people are complaining about the fourth and two deep shot. They're like, that was stupid. No, it, it was very smart and aggressive. And I ma- it makes no sense to go, scare money don't make money. And then when they actually do it, you complain about it. No, scare money don't make money is, is that mindset of we're going to be aggressive. We're going to risk it to get the biscuit. That's what Billy Napier did. That's what it is. It's not just a cool catchphrase he came up with. No, he's living by that philosophy. Another big thing and the last thing that we're going to talk about with this Florida Gators offense, Keon MFN Zipper. I have talked about Keon Zipper since last year, and I'm like, he should be the starting tight end. This whole offseason, he should be the starting tight end. After week one and week two, he should be the starting tight end. On the depth chart prediction segments, I've been saying Keon Zipper should be tight end one in this offense. Well, played a pretty dang good football game this past Saturday. Second most catches of his career. He had three. He had four twice in his career before that. Once in that uh, that 2020 bowl game against Oklahoma, which is horrible. And Alabama last year, he had four catches as well. So the three catches, second most of his career. Uh, it was a career high in yards and receiving yards with 62 his previous high was 51 against Alabama last year so the, the I mean Keon Zipper the best game also the highlight play his fourth career touchdown pass or fourth career touchdown catch that highlight play of him just hitting the truck stick twice and getting into the end zone it was just beautiful play um beautiful execution as well that was one of the better executed plays we've seen from the Florida Gators this whole season uh so loved that but yeah i mean it it was just fantastic by keon zipper this was a great game for the florida gators offense there were still issues there were still um inconsistencies and stuff like that but when you look at the body of work previously those first three games and then you look at what happened in the fourth game this was clearly the best that the florida gators offense looked better than the utah game and i mean duh better than better than kentucky and south florida so this was the best game for the florida gators offense we're about to look at the defense which Their worst game of the year. I think we could all agree with that. But first, a quick word from LinkedIn, because as the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier for you to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people that you want to interview faster and for free. If you've never used LinkedIn Jobs before, I highly, highly recommend it. I got my last job before I joined Lockdown with simple tools like screening questions. It makes it easier for you to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. You can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply thanks again for making lockdown gators your first listen of the day every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts now like i said we're going to talk about this defense and i tweeted this on saturday too i was like look defensively the scheme is there the, the scheme is beautiful it's fantastic it helps elevate the talent of this defense the issue is the talent of this defense. Um, it's it's rough at times. And I think when you talk about this defense against Tennessee, the first thing you have to talk about, blown coverages. 
Um, and I will say this because I've said this before. We don't know the exact calls, so it, it's hard to to kind of make definitive statements. Like I know the Kentucky uh, the Kentucky deep ball that Will Levis threw, Trey Dean came down from the deep safety spot, and I know a lot of people are like, Trey Dean blew his assignment. And I've said this before. I spoke to someone in the program. He was coached to come down and, and uh, attack that over route. He did not blow his coverage there. However, uh, this week, I think it's safe to say he played probably his worst game as a Florida Gator. That's very clear. Um, it's also a same situation where I say we don't know the exact calls, so it's hard to make definitive statements. But again, I will say a lot of the plays were towards trading side. And I don't know if, you know, I, I don't know if he's supposed to be the communicator in the secondary. I don't know if it's supposed to be Travis Johnson. I don't know if it's supposed to be Rashad Torrance. I don't know who's supposed to be the, doing the communications and who's supposed to be handling those. But they were awful on Saturday. Like, like there's that one clip of trading just like standing there as a receiver runs by. Obviously, he wasn't in main coverage. I don't know what coverage they were in, um, but it, it was bad, and no one made the communication, no one made the switch, and stuff like that just cannot happen. So blown coverages are completely inexcusable. That's what I'll say. I'll, I'll say they're completely inexcusable. Yes, Tradine had a horrible game. Yes, Rashad Torrance had a horrible game. 12 tackles or 14, whatever it is. I don't care. That was a horrible game. I don't know if Rashad Torrance is injured or, or feeling anything. I don't know what it is, but he was so passive against Tennessee, whether it was against the run or whether it was someone catching a ball. He would kind of just stand there and kind of try to just like push him out of bounds, get up in him, get up at his face, and hit him. Hit him in the face. Hit him in the butt. I don't care where you hit him. Hit him. Be a little bit of physical. Be a little bit physical there. There are too many veterans on this defense to make the amount of mistakes that they made. Whether it was just just miscommunications and coverage, blowing your coverage. I know that there's the uh, the clip also going around where uh, Amari Bernie had the running back in coverage looked like. And I'm fairly confident in saying Amari Bernie had the running back in coverage, did not stick with him into the flats. He caught the ball, and then he just cribbed it. Trey Dean could have came up and made a stop. Amari Bernie could have came up and played that coverage earlier or better, and it was just bad. Trey Dean, Amari Bernie, Travis Johnson had some serious, serious miscues in coverage against Tennessee. It was bad. And it wasn't just them. It wasn't just miscommunications. There were also blown coverages by them, not just, you know, oh, I thought we were in this zone. Like, no, just getting beat. And I know, I know that he is uh, he's a Florida Gators darling, but Jason Marshall Jr. played an ugly game for his expectations on Saturday. We, we've crowned him corner one. We've talked about him as an elite NFL draft corner. We've talked about him so highly. And his performance against the Tennessee Volunteers was bad. And it's not a matter of consistently having these miscommunications, which I'm sure he also had. And I'm sure I'm sure everybody in that secondary screwed up at some point with, the mis- mis- with miscommunications, which, by the way, that's on the coaching staff. I realize we can talk about the players all we want. That's on the coaching staff that those mistakes happen. Yes, we have veterans and they should know better, but the coaches should also know better and the coaches should also be better prepared. But there were also plays where people just got beat, like Jason Marshall Jr. Specifically, uh, I believe it was the drive before the half. 
uh, Tennessee receiver, I forget who it was, made a fantastic catch and a fantastic play on the ball. But he also beat Jason Marshall in coverage. Like, like that, that's what I mean, where he played a bad game. Everybody in that secondary played a pretty bad game, or we'll say the most, the majority of people, like Kamari Wilson, played like 16 snaps, I think, which I think the most of his career, but still not a lot of snaps. So I, I find it very hard to fault him. He was also very rarely in coverage. It was primarily run defense for Kamari. So stuff like that, where it's hard to blame people for things like that, but it, it was bad on this secondary. Another thing about this defense, where is the pass rush? Like, where, where is it? Because too often this season, I pointed this out last week as well, too often this season, pressures have come from sim pressures and creepers and, and schemed pressures instead of winning battles up front, which is something the Florida Gators have always been able to do is win those battles up front. They have not even come close to winning a lot of those Javon Dexter, I get it. He's been double or triple teamed. There were times where he had one-on-one and he did not win it. That's an issue for me. Brenton Cox Jr., I spent all offseason calling him out. He's generated pretty solid pressure pretty consistently this season, so I'm not going to come for his neck. But other players need to win their one-on-ones. Desmond Watson, it's hard to ask him to do that given – who he is and how young and inexperienced he is. And Prince Liam and Mialine, he should be generating those pressures. You know, Desmond Watson is not thought of as a pass rushing type. He's thought of as stuff the run, make your plays there, make your money there, and call it a day. Although he is asked to do more, we'll say that. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take what we can there. But it's just, you know, Prince Liam and Mialine, you have to win those tackles. You have to win those blocks. That's something that you have to do. Um, Amari Bernie when he came in on the schemed pressures that got him into the backfield, he he lost the one-on-one against the Tennessee running back. And, the, and he wasn't the only one to do it. It's just the more glaring play that I remember off the top of my head was Amari Bernie getting into the backfield and losing the one-on-one with a running back. When you are running these schemed up pressures, your goal is to get those one-on-ones with the backups. That's what you're with the running backs. That's what you're trying to set up. And you have to win those battles, especially against Tennessee. Their running backs suck in pass protection. They do. And they're going to get crushed when they play against, you know, Georgia. When they play that Georgia defense and they have those one-on-ones, those Georgia linebackers are going to decimate the Tennessee Volunteers running backs. That's just what's going to happen. And Florida, you have to win those battles. Shamar James won and lost. Amari Bernie I didn't, I'll be honest with you. I didn't focus on him in my second rewatch. I, I rewatched the game four times every week. I will watch his one-on-ones with the running backs later on. But man, you, you got to be better than what you showed when you were with those one-on-ones with running backs. Running backs, a lot of them don't like to get physical and pass protection. You kind of just have to sprint into them and you win the battle. Amari Bernie hesitated. Ventra Miller didn't really get one-on-ones with them. They didn't rush often too. Not, none of these guys rushed often. It's just a matter of when you get those one-on-ones, you have to win them. You have to win those one-on-ones with running backs. And plain and simple, Florida didn't do that enough um, as pass rushers. We're about to take a look at the the youth movement for this Florida Gators. I mean, mainly defense, but there's also Trevor Etienne. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. 
to wrap up today's show, we are talking about this youth movement for this Florida Gators defense. There's a lot of young guys that played season high, your career high snaps. Uh, I'm going to say season high. I feel like it's weird to say career high in a rookie year, but you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, no, the, the Shamar James will say first. First career sack has been thriving as that rusher in, in these creepers defenses or fire blitzes. We don't really see often at the fire zones, but with the creeper blitzes when he's coming in or creeper sim pressures when he's coming in as that late rusher, he's been great. That's easy to see also with the just literally just having great acceleration and aggressiveness. You could do that. Simple as that. You don't need a ton of skill to do that. You've got to be pretty athletic. Hence why he's good at it. And that's what we've been saying he'd be good at. 33 snaps against Tennessee. That's the second most of uh, of his season. The most was, if I'm not mistaken, 37 or 36 against Kentucky. Makes sense. That's how Ventra Miller got hurt. But Shamar James, second most snaps of his very young career right now. First career sack was on Hendon Hooker. Played a great game against the Tennessee Volunteers. Another defender that we've been hyping up a lot. Desmond Watson, I could say career high for him, 43 snaps versus the Tennessee Volunteers. He also had four stops, as in four times he made a stop for a gain of three or less against the Tennessee Volunteers. A career high for him, he had four in the first three games of the season combined. So Desmond Watson, you know, the defensive line didn't play well against Tennessee. They just didn't. That, that's, that is what it is. But Desmond Watson played one hell of a game, and I will give him credit for that. Uh, I think that he has just made significant strides that we didn't really anticipate. We were hoping for, but I don't think anybody expected him to be as good as he is this early on. So we'll take that win where we can get it. Devin Moore, I know everybody loves him. Season high 40 snaps for Tennessee. If I'm not mistaken, he played the second most snaps amongst cornerbacks uh, for the Gators. I, and I know that part of that, like even Jalen Kimber played, I think, the least snaps of the season. Part of that is, you know, that rotation that the Florida Gators run in the secondary, how quickly you get off the field or how long you're stuck on the field as a secondary or as a defense in general. So that kind of is the reason that a lot of these guys played season high snaps on defense. Uh, it was also, I believe, the second most snaps they've played against this season. I think number one was Kentucky. So makes sense but uh yeah Devin Moore 40 snaps versus Tennessee this whole season he's been pretty consistent in coverage you know he he's not uh I, I don't even know who he's not clamping anybody up completely I think it's hard to say that with anybody in the secondary especially when you rotate as often as they do but he has not given up anything deep and I mean he every pretty much every co- completion against him was a short gain and that's, you know, that's promising. He had, He's allowed 43 receiving yards so far. 29 of them came up after the catch. So I believe the four or five completions he's allowed so far this season combined are really 14 yards, uh, 14 air yards, we'll say. That's fantastic. That, that is truly fantastic by Devin Moore. Like that is a great, great freshman, uh, freshman season, freshman start. Can't wait to see what happens once he gets more experience under his belt. Once he gets, you know, another year of coaching under Corey Raymond is going to be amazing. Uh, Justice Boone, season high 33 snaps. 
Hasn't played a ton prior to that, but he has been consistently good and consistently effective as a rusher. That Kentucky free rush he had against uh, Will Levis was just really cool. Um, we'll say that. But uh, yeah, his snaps have also increased every single week. So expect to see him continue to play more. I don't know really uh, if we'll see, you know, season high more than 33 just because he's going to continue rotating and 33 is kind of a lot uh, when you consider that. I believe Kentucky was on the field for 72 plays, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 73. Um, so Justice Boone, I mean, he, he played a good deal of the game. Kamari Wilson, a season-high 19 snaps. Hard to really, really evaluate him a ton because so much of his game has just been against the run. Uh, he really came in when Tennessee started running the ball more as well because he is a very good run defender. So that was clearly kind of the focal point for him there to just – stuff the run, which he's been good at. So I have no complaints there. He's been playing basically linebacker. Chris McClellan on the defensive line, season high, 18 snaps. He looked dang good. Um, we, we could say that had his first career pressure. He looked good on pretty much every snap he was out there. And that's the thing that like watching Chris McClellan also kind of frustrated me a little bit with Javon Dexter, because we saw Chris McClellan get double teamed and beat those blocks. It seems like Javon Dexter, when he gets double or tripled, he's just like, okay, I'll just eat all these blocks and let other people make plays. No, nah, man, you got, you got to get off those blocks as well. So that's what's frustrating. Offensively, we only have Trevor Etienne season high, 29 snaps. Um, this was easily his least effective game as a runner. But that was the case with pretty much every rusher in this backfield. That's just how it worked. Tennessee played fantastic run defense. We spoke a lot last week about, you know, Tennessee's run defense statistically looks good, but who have they played? Well, now they played a team that for the first three games of the season was very good at running the ball, and they played a great job. That's that physical, aggressive, attacking style that Tennessee has up front that carries over into the run game. So, again, Trevor Etienne, worst rushing game. Uh, but, but you live with that because that's what just happened. And the Florida Gators offensive line didn't look very good against Tennessee. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. We're breaking down this game for the Florida Gators and Tennessee Volunteers again before looking at Eastern Washington. For your second listen, Lockdown SEC hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Get the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university, the University of Florida. With Chris Gordy of Sports 790, Locked On SEC every day for Locked On Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports and GiantsCountryofSI.com. And I'll see you all tomorrow. <laughs>